Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. What does it mean when a company's share price falls to cheap prices and executive insiders don't buy more? My question is, how much of your portfolio should you put into like ETFs and mutual funds? I had a question about Dutch Bros. It's going to be a new IPO. And provides unbiased answers. I think the bet on the raw materials that go into electric cars are going to be far better than the electric car producers. Invest Talk across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome to Invest Talk. This is our Thursday, November 11th edition of Invest Talk. And I want to start off by thanking all of our veterans. It is Veterans Day. So um, happy that, uh, you, you know, you, who, those are, that are around for us and those that have passed, um, you know, that you uh, served our country well. And I thank all of you. Now, we see in the markets right now um, a lot of consternation about inflation and investors. Some investors are panicking, others are not. Uh, but whether your goals are short, medium, or long term, you have to have a, an appropriate strategy for those particular goals. And that's what we are here to help you do is to build the, the tools necessary to develop and implement the right investment strategy, saving strategy, spending strategy, etc. So on today's podcast and, pro- and program, I'm going to operate with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success, which means that no matter what I talk about, I'm going to give you the facts as I see them using my 20 plus years of investment experience and the data that I have. And so if I'm talking about a stock, uh, a mutual fund, an ETF, a particular asset class, a strategy, whatever it is, I'm here to give it to you with all without bias. So I'm Justin Klein. Of course, I encourage you to contact me with your finance and investment questions. And when you do that, you get to shape this show to your liking. So I encourage you to call me right now during our live stream program from 4 to 5 Pacific time. Or if you're listening after hours, no big deal. Just leave a message on our Invest Talk voice bank. As always, either way, the number never changes. 888 chart So let's get right to our first listener question now. Hi, guys. This is Eric calling from L.A. I love your show. My question is about IIPR, Innovative Industrial Properties. I bought what I figured was an equal share, like around $29.50 several years ago, and now it's almost a 10-bagger. So anyway, it's far outgrown any of my other investments that I equally invested at the time. So my question is, how much would you normally take out? It seems to keep going up and I have like some FOMO and you always talk about taking away um, profits. I probably have made an extra 20 shares through dividend reinvestment. So I was wondering what would you guys do? Cause you've always talked about rebalancing your investments. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Thanks a lot. 
All right, this is IIPR. This is a company we've owned for clients currently. We've owned it uh, for roughly a year or so, something like that. Uh, you know, it's trading at two hundred and seventy-seven dollars and forty cents today. So clearly, you did. You've done very, very well. Now, when you're rebalancing. And I like that you're starting to think about that, rebalancing. And so many people need to do that. They should do that. They get uh, kind of tied to a particular stock and, and they fall in love with it and they never sell it and, and, and they don't rebalance. Um, and, and obviously, there's always the fear that it, you know it's done well and it could continue to go up. And that's certainly true. But any any company that's a too, that's too large a position of your portfolio um, becomes too big of a risk for you. And that's why you need to to trim. Uh, and it sounds like you're in that place. So really, it's more about what is uh, what the, is the percentage of the portfolio you have in this name now, and what your target allocation should be probably somewhere in the three to 5% of your overall portfolio. That's probably what you need to trim it back to. Now, obviously, there are there may be tax implications for that you need to consider. Uh, you probably want to do it in, in, into strength as opposed to uh, into weakness, uh, et cetera. And right now, it is uh, relatively strong. Uh, and this is in the cannabis space. So they rent uh, f- grow facilities. They, they, they license, purchase, uh, create grow facilities for uh, operators, and they extract high returns on, on their capital. Uh, and therefore, that's why the business has done so well, and you know the growth is so strong. So, uh, I like the name, um, but you should right size your portfolio. Like I said, three to five percent of your overall investments. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline: Younger women are narrowing the gender investing gap. Nearly three fourths of millennial women, aged twenty-five to forty, are now investing outside their retirement accounts. And compared to other age groups, they are also more likely to invest for specific goals. So that's interesting as well. So we're going to look at that story and what that could mean for uh, a, a new generation of, of investors, not just uh, millennials, but millennial women. And also what strengths they might have uh, that we can all learn from. And we're going to dig into that. Also, inflation. We talked about inflation. We're doing a webinar on inflation in, in, in a week. And uh, there was some signals yesterday that the CPI number that came out that hit the highest level since 1990, that that sparks a shift in the market. Now, it's early. It's only been uh, two days, yeah, yesterday and today. So definitely, you can't draw huge conclusions yet until there's continued follow through. But definitely some big moves that could be meaningful uh, in the market. So we're going to look at that. Then also next year, typically the second year of a presidential term tends to fall short when it comes to stock market annual performance. That's just naturally how it tends to go. Uh, That doesn't mean it has to happen, but long-term average return on the S&P is roughly 10%. And historically, more often than not, the second year doesn't meet that level. Uh, and so there are some other factors. Remember, you don't look at that in itself and make a decision or anything. It doesn't mean uh, the market has to be bad next year. Maybe it's only an 8 or 9% year versus a 10% year. You know, we'll see. But uh, there are some factors that you have to look at that could cause uh, uh, an equity market that, once again, doesn't have to be bad, doesn't have to be a recession, but maybe not as bullish as it was uh, so far this year. So we're going to look uh, at those figures. And then lastly, 
does sustainable investing help the environment? Does it help the environment? And there's some uh, definitely some arguments on both sides, like most things, pros and cons, but we're going to dig into that as well. But let's check out on the market today. You had the S&P up two and a half points, very, very kind of flat day uh, on that side. You had the NASDAQ that was up 81 points, which was interesting considering the bond market was closed because of the holiday. The bond market was closed. But if you look at the ETFs that track the bond market, yields went up again. The IEF was was down 37 cents today. TLT was down uh, 22 cents today. Uh, so remember, when the, these are treasury-linked ETFs. So if these go down, it means interest rates are going up. And so there certainly was a, a follow-through on that side uh, when it comes to the ETF signaling that rates will continue to go up uh, when the bond market reopens tomorrow. You had gold continuing to have nice strength. The GLD was up almost a dollar today. The GDX, that was up 79 cents, uh, about two and a half percent. So you're seeing that follow through that strength as real rates. Remember when real rates are current nominal rates minus the rate of inflation. And with inflation numbers continue to kind of power higher, that's putting real rates lower. And that typically is good for gold. And you're seeing definitely a breakout on that side as well. So uh, if you look at the growth to value side of the market as well, what outperformed, what underperformed, um, growth actually had a, a better day um, than, than value modestly, very, very modestly, um, really a no-nothing day, a do-nothing day on that side um, from that perspective. So that was kind of the overview of the markets. We'll know a lot more when the bond market reopens tomorrow. But this is Invest Talk, and we're heading into a quick break. And here's a reminder that at the halfway point of today's podcast, I'm going to play an interview I conducted with an expert on the easy way to create a will or a trust. So if you want to tune into that, you know anyone, know anyone that would be interested in that, tell your friends about it. And now, if you want to put your question in the mix, give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Time is getting closer. The free Invest Talk Wealth Webinar Investing in an Inflationary World, Thursday, November 18th at 1 p.m. Pacific Time. It's free, but you have to register in advance. Go to investtalk.com, click on the register button. Now, Steve and Justin are taking your calls live. 888 99Chart. Let's go to Andrew in Philadelphia looking at Penn, P-N-N, Penn National Gaming. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I just, yes, I'm looking to buy Penn. Uh, I saw that it recently pulled back about 20%, and I had this on my watch list for a while. So I was hoping to get your opinion. Yeah, this is definitely interesting. And the reason it pulled back, you're, you're probably aware, is this uh, article that came out uh, in regards to David Portnoy and basically Penn National Gaming bought Barstool Sports with Dave, which Dave is the I believe he's the founder or CEO. You know, he's kind of the head personality over there, and he's he's instrumental in kind of the popularity, especially uh, amongst young people uh, in in the, the gambling space. You have Davey's day trader when he was day trading. I don't know if he's still day trading stocks or whatever, um, but. You know, he's, he's a personality and he's a popular personality. And there's uh, an article that basically says he has had some 
uh, rough run-ins with women uh, along the last uh, few years, it sounds like. And and obviously these are allegations and et cetera, and he's denied them. Um, And and that's really why this is down so much because a a large part of uh, the value of, of, of barstool sports is that Dave remains kind of this, uh, you know, kind of conservative figure um, within politics and and sports. And, you know, he's an interesting um, guy. Let's just say that. And so uh, the big question is, will this hit piece really take down Barstool Sports? And I kind of tend to think no. Uh, I think he's kind of has an audience that isn't apt to cancel him. Um, He's kind of in charge of his own platform with Barstool Sports where no one else can kind of cancel him unless, you know, Penn shuts it down, which I don't think they'll do considering how much they spent on the acquisition. Um, And then technically it's into some major support here around $55 a share. And I I still think it's a, it's a good value. And and the other side of the business, which is a regional gaming operator, they own 41 gaming properties uh, with, 48,000 gaming machines, 1,300 table games, 2.4 million square feet of gaming space. So it's a big regional uh, gaming player. And so I'm going to give this one a thumbs up. It's into support. Um, And you really have to believe, though, that this will pass with Dave Portnoy. And Barstool Sports will still remain strong and and a growing brand, especially in the midst of of, gaming. Online gambling, uh, sports gambling, uh, continue to rise and be more popular, and maybe you know being uh, legalized nationwide, etc. And I think that has to be a key part of your belief. If you believe that, then I think it's a good buy here. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Bennett in Georgia, looking at E L Y, which is Callaway Golf. Do you own it or looking to buy it? Hi, Justin. I own a couple shares, and um, I'm looking for just a long-term position, and I'm looking to get some more, and I'm just looking at a good time to buy in. So here's a question. Why are you looking to get in? What what makes you excited about owning Callaway Golf and uh, obviously the the growth or lack thereof of the, the golf industry? Um, well, they've always made great golf equipment, and they just acquired Top Golf not too long ago. And I think Top Golf has been on the rise in um, the younger generation. Okay, so I think that is a good strategy. I'll say that uh, with Callaway diversifying their uh, their business, bringing maybe younger people into uh, golfing, being able to sell their their equipment there, etc. Uh, I think that's a good acquisition. Here's my problem. Golf is a sport that is declining in popularity. Yes, it had uh, big popularity during the pandemic when uh, getting out outside was what everyone wanted to do. You could socially distance very easily. Uh, Very popular business. Made $6.78 in 2020. This year only supposed to make $1.71, down 75%, down another 66% earnings expectations for next year to 58 cents. So I think a lot of that has been backloaded. Uh, I think that you're, you're going to guide lower. Uh, and so I would be, it would have to be much lower in the mid to low teens before I would pick this up. Thanks for the call. We're going to a break. Give me a call at 888-99-CHART.
You've got a portfolio to grow and protect, so get your finance and investment questions together and call Steve Peasley and Justin Klein. They're ready with their unbiased answers. Invest Talk, 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Sam in San Francisco. He's looking at Marsh and McLennan Companies, Inc. Do you own it or looking to buy it? I'm looking to buy it. Okay. Now, for everyone out there, Marsh McLennan has uh, different lines of business, mainly risk and insurance services, as well as consulting. And their business has been doing well recently. You see uh, earnings are up uh, last quarter up 32% year over year, yield 1.3%. And over the last decade or so, the return equity has been trending higher from uh, the the mid-teens in 2011, uh, trailing 12 months now up to 29%. So obviously, that's very, very good. Good good trend there. Uh, the big question is, will there be a re- reversion in the mean? We'll see, f- we'll see with that. Uh, but what is your main reason for potentially owning this business? Um, just the, um, the growth on the company. Um, I see there's a lot of growth in the past um, five years. And I'm just trying to figure out when is a good time. Should I wait for it to go down or is it a good time to jump in now? Um, as I see the company continue growing. Okay. Well, uh, one thing that worries me a bit is that premiums have gone up pretty dramatically, uh, about 15% year over year. But those increases uh, look to be flattening out uh, as of late. So that's one thing that would have me uh, a bit worried at these valuations. And then if you look at those valuations, enterprise valued EBITDA right now is about 18 and a half times, which is much higher than it typically trades at more in the uh, mid to low teens. So I do think it's a bit overvalued um, and the momentum is starting to wane a bit. But I like the company. I like that this is on your watch list. I just think you're a bit overvalued here, and it needs to come back down into uh, probably the low hundreds, 120, 125 in that area. That would get me interested in this name. Uh, but at these prices, and, and what, you, what I'm seeing in the insurance market where uh, the premium increases are flattening out, uh, I think you're you're a bit, it's a bit ahead of itself. So um, I would be patient. Keep it on my watch list. You'll probably get a good buying opportunity sometime next year with probably a more volatile market. Uh, and that's when I would think about picking it up. Thanks for the call, Sam. Let's go to Noel in Napa. And he wants to ask uh, about a book. Yeah, hi, Justin. Yeah, I'm currently reading uh, The Intelligent Investor by uh, Benjamin Graham. I'm sure mm-hmm. you're aware of that book. Mm-hmm. And this one is the latest uh Revised edition, I think it's copyright 2003, so it's the latest one. But, uh, mm-hmm. of course, this comes from way in the past, uh, Benjamin Graham. But uh, this has the, preface, uh, the preface and appendix by Warren Buffett, and it has uh, commentary by Jason Zweig. But anyhow, on page uh, uh, 405, uh, ben- Benjamin Graham warns, Convertible securities always come out of the woodwork near the end of a bull market, largely because even poor quality companies then have stock returns high enough to make a conversion future attractive. But I haven't heard the word uh, convertible security in a long time. And uh, do they exist much anymore to make this appropriate? And, and if it if it is still appropriate, this 
verbiage, uh, where would I check on it? Uh, well, it is. They're still around. Convertible securities are still around. Uh, Tesla's uh, a perfect example of a company that uh, has issued a lot of convertible securities. And remember, basically what a convertible security is, is, is it's a bond instrument, uh, low yielding. And instead of, in place of yield, you're basically purchasing a call option on the on the company. And so when people are very bullish on the underlying company, they're willing to pay up for the uh, th- that that uh, that call option, and theref- and therefore the yield on the security is is very very low, um, and typically the uh, these companies are that are issuing them are not making a ton of money. Uh, they they need to uh, borrow a bunch of money. Tesla is a good example, and that's why they tend to show up near the end of these bull cycles is because there's a lot of confidence in these companies. Uh, and there's the willingness for these companies to sell shares uh, at higher valuations as well. And so that's certainly true. Now, is this uh, is this an environment where convertible securities are very popular? Not really, um, because I think there's other vehicles, there's other ways to uh, speculate that's a more pure play on the upside of markets, right? Just buying calls outright, uh, other speculative plays like crypto, uh, Etc. And so, from a, a total a total risk perspective, they're not. I don't think high risk enough for people on average, uh, and they're a bit too complex, I think, for a lot of people as well because of the bond side and the equity call option, etc. So, I, I wouldn't use this in this cycle. Now, the next cycle might be different. It might, it might be all the rage, um, but it, it's not something that I think is as an is a hallmark of this particular cycle. But great question, and love that you're reading that book. Now, in the next Invest Talk, story behind this headline. Big businesses, bosses, sorry, bigness, big business bosses are warning that supply chain issues and inflation are here to stay. Companies around the world are battling supply chain bottlenecks as post-pandemic spike demand converges with industrial production struggling to catch up after a lengthy COVID-induced shutdown. Steve will walk through the twists and turns of that story tomorrow for you. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. 
AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's Attack Resistance Platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E. .com, HackerOne.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Look at the calendar. We are into November and on our way to Thanksgiving and then Christmas. But now you've got finance and investment questions. Steve and Justin welcome your calls. Invest Talk, 888 99Chart. Welcome back to Invest Talk. And right now we're going to pivot to an interview. And sometimes we bring on special guests to the show to educate us on specific topics. And today we have a partner uh, from Trust and Will. And he's going to give us uh, an education on estate planning and why it is important. And so we're going to welcome Andres Mazabel. Welcome, Andres. Thanks, Justin. Appreciate you having me. No problem. Let's start it off with that first question. Why is estate planning important? Great question. Estate planning is really making the decision, the conscious decision of what happens to your loved ones and your assets when you pass. So it's you taking control instead of a judge or a court making those decisions on your behalf. So really it's around peace of mind or your assets and more importantly, your loved ones. Well, that makes sense. And why do you think people put off the, the planning process so long? You know, people kind of procrastinate on that. Is it just because it's, it's cumbersome, it's difficult, it's expensive? What are the main re hurdles for uh, people to actually go and do some estate planning? 
Yeah, yeah, good question. I think for, from our perspective, it's really lack of education. That's where we at Trustful will lead with, uh, with education. Most people that you talk to, they understand the concept of estate planning, the importance of it. But many people don't understand what their options are, how you create it, what information do you actually need. And then for most folks, when they, when they think about estate planning, they think it's very expensive. And in the history of it, it, it has been, right? So for maybe a young family that's had their first kid or bought their first home, the thought of spending, you know, a couple, two, $3,000 like it is here in Southern California, it creates barriers. So lack of education, cost, and then the complexities behind it are typically the main triggering points why people try and put it off as, as, long, as, they ha- as long as they can. Got it. Now, that's covering why people don't do it. How about when should someone create an estate plan? What are, what are those markers that say, okay, now you need to really think about doing an estate plan? Yeah. So typically what we see, and, and we've done a ton of studies around this, the biggest triggering point, Justin, is when someone has their first child. It's this conscious, man, I have to look out for someone else. Right. So that's typically when people really start thinking about it. But we actually have members on both spectrums. We actually have folks that, for example, turn 18 and their parents are encouraging them to set up an estate plan because now they're going off to college. Now they're they're going to need a power of attorney, a HIP authorization. So literally as young as 18. um, But to answer your question more specifically, we typically see a big uptake when a family has their first child. Got it. That makes sense. Now, let's say someone has their first child or, or they just don't have an estate plan and they, they feel like they, they need one. What are the options? Obviously, going to an attorney is one. There, there are some online solutions like, like Trust and Will. What are the pros and cons uh, of each option as well? Because I'm sure uh, for not everybody's going to fit uh, an exact uh, route for the best way to create their own estate plan. But can, I, can you give those pros and cons between those two solutions? Yeah. yeah, I like the way you framed it. Typically, most people have only had the option of an attorney. And it's why more than 60% of families don't have an estate plan, right? The, the barriers that we kind of talked about. So now with platforms like Trust and Will, which we offer the the state-specific documents in all 50 states, we essentially have very specific templates for every state that are designed and reviewed by attorneys. And we're now enabling a client and a family member to be able to create the documents and customize them depending on on their needs. So think literally TurboTax but for estate planning. So a couple of different things that come right off the bat. What are the main differences? One is we are led with technology where the client is actually driving the platform, but we do offer live customer support. So if someone has a question, they can actually talk to a live representative of trust and will, either online, on the phone, whatever's more comfortable for the member. And then obviously with an attorney, the difference is you're, you're typically going into the attorney's office. You're, going to be going through, you know, the questionnaire, which our questionnaire is directly led by the customer that they're answering directly on the platform. And then from, from, from really the, the, the beginning to the end of process, it, it's fairly a similar flow. It just really does depend on the complexities 
the asset level that a family or even an individual has in terms of what is a, what is the best fit for them. Now, what percentage of people need uh, an attorney to really build out a complex plan? Are, are most plans fairly straightforward and, and boilerplate? Yeah, most plans are. I mean, if you think of most families, all right, let's, let's you know, use an example of husband, wife. They have maybe two kids and they own a, a home. And maybe one is a business owner, the other one is a W-2 employee. I would argue that's maybe, you know, 70% if not higher of, of, of the population. So with that type of very simple, straightforward example, those are typically the folks that just need a very simple, straightforward estate plan, but still be able to customize it for their needs, right? So if a you know, family has two kids, but they're younger, they might say, I don't want my children to receive all these assets when they're 18, they may not be financially responsible at that age, right? So it still allows a, a family to customize it and be able to make it fit for, for what their priorities and values are uh, to make sure that it really aligns with what they're looking to accomplish. So it sounds like 80, 90% of people uh, can use an online solution like Trust and Will and, and get everything uh, they really need, probably at a, at a lot, lot lower cost. Correct. Correct. Yeah. yeah. And that's, and that's typically where, you know, with our platform, Justin, it's many folks can come in and just talk to us, you know, Hey, this is my situation. This is what I'm looking to accomplish. And, and depending on that, we can kind of better guide them to see, you know, is our platform a fit or do you have more of a complex advanced estate planning need where you might be better off just working with local estate planning attorney? That makes sense. Now, when people think of estate planning, uh, they probably don't know what goes into an estate plan uh, as a whole. So can you kind of go over that of what a full estate plan looks like, what documents are created uh, to make sure all the, uh, the, the, the boxes are checked? Yeah, absolutely. So we really think of, a, of estate planning as, you know, planning for when you pass and then also planning, very important, especially what we saw in the pandemic last year, is planning if something's to happen while you're alive, so incapacity, okay? So we're looking at, obviously, either a will-based plan or a trust-based plan, which is, you know, going to really help dictate how you want assets distributed, who is going to step in as a legal guardian for children if something's to happen to you and or spouse and your children are not as uh, age 18 or older, how your assets are distributed and how, and then most important or very important as well is, is if something happens to you while you're, while you're alive, car accidents, you can't go into a bank, you can't make a medical decision. So all of our documents also include a power of attorney, a living will, which is for healthcare direct, your healthcare directive, and then also the HIP authorization. It's a federal form that essentially allows you to dictate or to, to pick and choose who can access your medical records. So this is a big thing that we lead with is, is, you know, many, many, especially younger families think of estate planning as, yeah, I'll get to that later on. I'm way too young to think about this. One, we have no way of, of knowing when and if something is going to happen to us. And then two, there's a statistic out there that almost about six, 70% of the time we are going to face incapacity in our lives. 
maybe not ourselves individually, but a, a close friend and or and or family will face incapacity. So how can we make sure that we have these documents, that we're not putting a burden on our loved ones, and really just making sure that we have uh, all our ducks aligned and make sure we have all our documents executed. So, you know, not if, but when something happens, we, we have that peace of mind to know that, you know, we're not going to be placing a huge burden on our loved ones uh, or friends. Interesting. Now, a lot of people think of uh, estate planning and, and maybe trusts and wills, and, and they're probably unclear of what the difference is. Can you kind of clarify that for people so they know maybe if they might need a trust versus a will? Yeah, absolutely. And that, that's typically the, the education number one that we provide through our platform. But essentially, a will-based plan is your simplest way of creating an estate plan, right? So you've, you've known about this from, you know, ah, oh, you can write a will literally on a napkin and, and have it, you know, witnessed. It essentially helps you determine where your assets go and how, but it does still go through probate. And depending on the state, probate can be very simple or, like California, it can be very complex, very expensive. A trust-based plan is typically for families with a, a higher net worth. And again, everything is very state-specific, but I'll give you an example. Here in California, most families with assets above 166000 would uh, be opting in or looking into a trust. And really, the main difference with the trust is it totally avoids probate. And if for any listeners that aren't aware of the term probate, it essentially is a court-ordered process in which a judge is helping determine where the assets go, how they should be passed. So by having these legal documents in place, you're essentially giving you the option to skip that process, not have a judge determine that, and you make those decisions on your behalf. That makes sense. Well, so a will might help a, a, a judge uh, transfer those, but you still have to go through the probate probate process. Now, uh, it, it I've, I've been the executor. I was the executor of my grandfather's uh, trust. And one issue I see, and uh, you probably uh, see that a lot with uh, clients that have existing uh, trust and, and, and uh, or I guess estate plans, is making sure the documents are where they need to be. Um, you know, it's hard to, to sometimes uh, file them and make sure that they're in the right place, that the right people have it and know uh, exactly what it says. Uh, sometimes pieces of the estate plan get lost, etc. Um, so what I think is interesting about the online solution is that it can be saved online, it can be sent to those people. What does that process look like? And how much headache does that solve by having the documents kind of live online? Yeah, I am so glad you brought that up. So a couple of things that come up. One, we, we make sure that a, a, a member understands the next steps. Notarization, witnessing, depending on the state. There's actually some states. We, we actually give you an example about two years ago. We created the first e-will in U.S. history, allowing someone to actually create their document, but then also within minutes, notarize it directly online, which is incredible. And then two, to your point, which, which is super important, many people in some cases create an estate plan. They go to the attorney. They don't truly understand what's actually inside the estate plan. 
and they forget to actually educate people named in the estate plan or even where are the documents, how would you access them, right? Like I had scenarios like this when I was in private banking in my former career where many, many customer families would, would walk in and say, someone passed in my family. I'm the trustee. I don't know where the, where the trust is. They have no information or what it actually means to be a successful trustee. So very high-level overview. We're the first company that's actually ever allowed a member to electronically share their documents with an executor, a beneficiary, even a financial advisor. And then it also allows the that, that person, individual, to be educated, right? So we have very specific articles. You're a succession trustee. What does that mean? What to expect when you step into that role to really help in the education side of it and the accessibility as well. That's incredible. Well, uh, you know, hopefully this helps uh, a lot of people. I know I created my, um, my estate plan through Trust and Will, and uh, it's just a very easy-to-use uh, platform. And uh, thank you for being on, Andres. And uh, if anyone out there needs some help, uh, you can reach out to me. I can, I can help you with the process and, and help, you, uh, help answer any questions, uh, et cetera. So thank you again, Andres. And uh, hopefully this educated a lot of people on the ins and outs of the estate planning process. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Now let's pivot to our main focus point today, which is that younger women are narrowing the investor gender gap. And this is a study from Fidelity Investments 2021 Women Investing Study. And it shows that during the pandemic, younger women are improving their investment know-how. Two-thirds of young women see the value of investing for a specific goal compared to just 56% of young men. And that is a big part of this as well, is that uh, they're focused more on the planning side and tend to have a a focus uh, of a goal that they want to hit with the money that they're, they're investing. And that's a big factor of being successful. It's an underrated factor is creating a plan. Men tend to be more fly-by-the-seat type of investors. And some 60% of women, women are worried about retirement compared to only 51% of men. And before the pandemic, women were retiring with only $70,000 worth, worth $70, less than men. And nearly one in five women had nothing saved at all in 2020. And this is one of the biggest regrets for boomer women is not investing more when they were younger. And so younger women are definitely figuring this out. Uh, And the access to uh, advice and uh, knowledge bases uh, have gone a long way to help uh, shift this gender gap. And it's definitely uh, very nice to see. And it's very intentional for these women and they're being successful, which is exciting. Now we're heading to our final break. So give me a call at 888-99-CHART. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck, because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Abhijit in Fremont. Let's talk about Rivian. Yes. uh, What looks like the prospects for that uh, company? 
Well, the prospects of the company uh, are oftentimes very different than the prospects of the stock. And that's what that, that's that's your real question. Um, now, yeah, the, the stock has, has done well and it's a it's recent IPO. And uh, that that shouldn't be a shock really to anyone. It's a it's very uh, it's very hotly discussed. Um, it's a hot IPO uh, and typically hot IPOs perform uh, well at the out the gate. Now, the question is, will their ultimate business be able to live up to the current market cap of one hundred and four billion dollars? Uh, when they're expected to, let's see, they lost a dollar seventeen last year, uh, sixty six cents last quarter, uh, and so this is really what you're dealing with. You're dealing with uh, a very expensive stock that's going to have to have monster uh, results to live up to this valuation. Now you can have confidence in that, or you cannot have confidence in that. Uh, I don't see the risk versus reward being great, but if you have great confidence that this is the next big uh, car brand, electric car. Brand, and I think their their vehicles look look great and very interesting uh, company. Um, but I also know what it takes to grow into a hundred billion dollar market cap. It takes a lot of success. So uh, that's really up to you to to decipher. Uh, I'm not going to be buying into that. But uh, if you are, then you know you would buy this and hope for that uh, that growth to continue. Let's go to Robert in Pleasanton. Look at an NRZ, which is new residential investment. This is a, looks like a mortgage REIT. Yep. Uh, 8.8% yield. Is that what you're chasing this, uh, this yield? Yeah, I am interested in the high yield and I have a little bit of familiarity with this company just from, uh, working in the mortgage industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think that they, have uh, recently purchased another company. They um, are coming into um, what the mortgage industry calls the non-QM space, uh, offering some more flexibility and underwriting guidelines. Mm -hmm. And um, there's certainly a big market for that. So I'm just curious to see what your thoughts are on this as an investment. Well, Historically, this company has been a relatively poor allocator uh, of capital. Uh, they've been paying out their dividends by issuing more shares and, and adding uh, more debt uh, onto their balance sheet. Uh, and, and that's really been the trend. Um, and that's the issue here is when you get a, a disruption in the marketplace, this will decline rapidly. And you saw that pre-pandemic, this was at $17.59, fell all the way to $3 and change. Now it's at $11.42. So uh, the, the, the longer-term trajectory is, is down. Um, yes, you're getting an 8%, 8, 9% yield, but uh, you're falling probably more than that annually. Um, and so your, your net yield is, is not that, that great. Um, and their overall asset allocation is relatively poor. So you know you can you can spin all some stories about their acquisition and you know th- this current environment might be beneficial, et cetera. But at the end of the day, they're just a, a very niche bank. They're they're borrowing short, they're lending long, and you know owning uh, mortgage uh, assets. And you know which mortgage assets they they buy. Uh, you know it's a competitive marketplace, so squeezing enough yield out of that to make up for overall a uh, high high leverage balance sheet, not something I'm interested in. So I would absolutely pass on new residential investment corp and the mortgage REITs. I just don't think everyone chases these yields, but if you look at the chart, you look at the total returns of these these companies, they are not very spectacular and 
the, I keep saying this. I don't know how, how many times I have to say it. I've said it for a decade plus. Just because rates are low doesn't mean you go out and buy anything with a shiny big yield. You have to understand the overall, the overall risk in, in the overall business and whether they're allocating capital properly. properly. Just because they're allocating capital towards you, the shareholder, uh, with some dividends, doesn't mean that they're not destroying shareholder value. They can easily do that, and oftentimes they do, especially with these mortgage REITs. I'm Justin Klein. This completes another Invest Talk program. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you uh, to tell your friends uh, and family about our free podcast downloads, which now have hit over 36 million. Get yours anytime at iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, and be sure to rate and review. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. Invest Talk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 